0: Let's Talk Sports with Tommy P. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Sports with Tommy P. I am Tommy P. Wherever you are, however you're listening, thank you so much for making me a part of your day today. Good show today. We're going to be talking some NBA. I'm going to give you my updated power rankings And where the teams sit as of right now. Lakers seem to be going downhill without Anthony Davis. They're going to be looking for a little backup by the trade deadline, I'd expect. And the Nets, they seem to be figuring it out. They're playing some very good basketball. And we're going to be talking more about what's going good and what's going bad for the top teams in the NBA this year. But before we get into that, we are going to break down what was the biggest story in the NFL this week, and that is the trade of Carson Wentz. I love the deal. I absolutely love the deal. Carson Wentz, I am still a big believer in. I'm still very high on him. And a lot of people sold their stock on on, uh, Carson Wentz this year. And understandably so, the product on field was not there. Carson Wentz had by far his worst year of his career. And the NFL is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. The NFL is a I-need-to-see results now. A lot of teams aren't patient anymore. The, the NFL is more competitive now than it's ever been. And that's why you're starting to see a lot of what's happened the last couple years. The Cardinals drafted Josh Rosen in the first round. After one year, they knew immediately we made a mistake, got rid of their first-year head coach, got rid of their first-year quarterback, and started all over hiring a new coach in Cliff Kingsbury and drafting a new quarterback, number one overall in Kyler Murray. And we just saw it uh, this year. The uh, Washington football team moved off of Dwayne Haskins, their first-round quarterback from a couple years ago. The, the patience is at an all-time low in the NFL And I'm starting to think that we're not going to see a lot of what the Bears have done with Mitch Trubisky in waiting it out throughout his rookie deal, just seeing, hoping because at the end of the day, no one wants to admit when they're wrong, right? As as men, we want to make sure that we stick by our choices, we stick by our decisions because we're just hoping I want to be proven right, but. There's no room in the NFL for that kind of pride. It, you're not going to see the results that you need to stick around in this league. And with Carson Wentz, he was an unbelievable quarterback almost immediately. Very, very strong rookie season. Comes back his second year. And we all know the Super Bowl year, he wasn't the reason why they won the Super Bowl because we know the Nick Foles story. But he was responsible for getting them there in the first place that season had he not gotten injured there's a very very strong chance that he would have won MVP and as most of us know that follow the NFL closely who was Carson Wentz's offensive coordinator that year Frank Reich now the coach of the Indianapolis Colts where Carson Wentz is going and in that season in 13 games Carson went through 33 touchdown passes against 7 interceptions while averaging 7.5 yards per attempt. Very, very good numbers. Had he played the remaining three games, very good chance. I'm not going to say he would have, but very good chance he could have gotten to uh, 40 touchdowns because their last three games were against... They, they were favorable matchups for that offense. And... Since 2018, which is the first year they were without Frank Reich as the offensive coordinator, Carson Wentz has thrown 64 touchdown passes against 29 interceptions, averaging 6.7 yards per attempt. Now, you hear those numbers without actually watching the Philadelphia Eagles. It's not terrible. It's not great, but it's not terrible. And then we watch on the field, and Carson became a quarterback where he made a lot of risky throws and currently makes a lot of risky throws. He tries, Carson is the type of quarterback that he tries to make something out of nothing. And we have seen because of how talented Carson is, he can a lot of times make something out of nothing. I remember that uh, first Giants game this season where Carson Wentz did have a a very good game but he also threw some very bad questionable passes that were intercepted but there was also a couple plays I remember the touchdown I believe it was to Travis Fulgham if I'm not mistaken. it was either Travis Fulgham or uh, Boston Scott and again that right there shows what he had to work with but it was it was crazy. It was like how how did he get a touchdown off of that throw? That was it was such a terribly it it was just ugly looking, and it was a touch. And Carson Wentz has made plays like that consistently for the last two years, but it's kind of overshadowed by the terrible throws where he'll throw a ball, no receiver around, but there's three defenders. Intercepted, sometimes pick six. And we question, why is this going on? So in life, some, many of us have had bad relationships. And we break things off with the relationship. But eventually, the two of us find our way back together. And then our friends, our families, people that see things on the outside... Ask us, you know, why, why are you getting back together with this person? You, all you guys do is fight. You you guys don't look happy. It, it's just, it, I, I don't think it's going to work out. But then on the inside, we feel and then we try to explain, yeah, I know we go through our struggles, but when it's just us, when it's behind closed doors, she's such a loving person. Person, She's there for me. She does so much to help me out and make me feel better. And it's just the good times outweigh the bad. And then from the outside looking in, you think, okay, well, it doesn't make any sense to me, but I care about you. I want you to be happy. So where I'm going with this analogy is us as human beings, we kind of go with what we're comfortable with. We go with what we know. The Indianapolis Colts don't have a quarterback before this trade. And instead of drafting a quarterback, that's not a sure thing, that's an unknown. Instead of bringing in someone new that you have to get to know, you have to learn about, Frank Wright goes, I want to take my chances on something that I know. Yeah, right now the times are bad, but when the times are good, the times are really good. And I give nothing but kudos to Frank Reich on this because he's right. When the times were good, they were good. And for Carson Wentz still, when the times are good, they are really good. Look at last season, the 2019 season. Carson Wentz became the very first quarterback ever to throw for 4,000 yards without having a single receiver receive more than 500 yards on a season. What? That's unheard of in today's NFL. That is unheard of. And he was throwing for most of the seasons to a bunch of number two, number three And in many instances, practice squad players. Carson, how can you... And to be quite honest, folks, again, like I acknowledged earlier, he makes a lot of risky throws that he ends up paying for. But he also makes some unbelievable throws. He is, as far as talent goes... I would love to hear you tell sit down right in front of me and name me ten quarterbacks that are more talented than Carson Wentz. I'm not saying better, because I can sit here and probably name 15 quarterbacks that are better than Carson Wentz, but talent wise, the way the, he throws a beautiful football, both deep and short. He can move around. He he folks that there's very few quarterbacks I've seen that can put up those kind of numbers with what he has to work with outside of an Aaron Rodgers, outside of Drew Brees for a lot of his career in his prime, outside of Russell Wilson. There are very few quarterbacks I know that can make that work. And what do many of the great quarterbacks have in common, like an Aaron Rodgers. Russell Wilson is the exception, but Breeze, Brady, Rodgers, what do they have in common? The vast majority of their careers, they've had outstanding offensive lines. Now, that MVP uh, campaign that ultimately he ended up falling short in because of the injury The Eagles gave up 36 sacks on this season. It's not terrible at all. It's not great, not elite, but that's not terrible. Throughout an entire 16-game season, if your quarterback gets sacked 36 times, you're probably in pretty good shape. You're probably in pretty good shape. And then he comes back in the 2018 season, missed, I believe it was five games, I know he missed the first couple games of the season that year, and then he ended up missing the end of the year in the uh, two playoff games, but in 2018, the Eagles gave up 40 sacks, gave up a little bit more again, not terrible, but it's not great at all, and then last season, 2019, gave up 37 sacks, and that's when he had the 4,000 yards without a receiver going over 500 yards. A little kind of consistent, right? Those three years, kind of consistent. And then you get to 2020. And this, granted, this includes with Jalen Hurts, who is a dual threat mobile quarterback, right? He should be able to escape a lot of pressure, kind of like a Kyler Murray, kind of like a Lamar Jackson, a Russell Wilson. They should be able to escape this, right? The Eagles gave up 65 sacks on the year. Carson Wentz was getting pressured on every snap. And you want to be like, oh, well, he, you know what? The great teams in the NFL have good or great offensive lines. Comparing him to Russell Wilson, well, Wilson makes, stop. Russell Wilson is a top three quarterback in the NFL. I sure would hope that he'd be able to compensate some for a bad offensive line. You know, at the end of the day, we can't put the fact that he's been sacked 50 plus times the last few years all on him. You can only do so much running around and escaping before the pocket completely collapses and you have three defensive linemen coming at you full speed ahead. I don't want to hear that, folks. That... Carson Wentz and Russell Wilson, two completely different quarterbacks. Getting, giving up 65 sacks on the season, you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle, and it's going to show on the football field. So now Carson Wentz is going to a team that has a top five, in my opinion, a top three offensive line that last year with the... I'm going to stand still as stone in the pocket, not move at all, Phillip Rivers. He is (laughs) the last thing from mobile. And with Phillip Rivers, the Colts gave up 21 sacks. 21. And you're telling me that you don't think with Carson Wentz, who's... He He's, in my opinion, a notch below Patrick Mahomes as far as if we were ranking mobility. I think Patrick Mahomes is more mobile, but I don't think he's leaps and bounds better at being mobile than Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz has shown a very good ability to be mobile when he's needed to be. And not only that, he's going to a team that has... A phenomenal running game. Very, very good wide receivers. Great experience at tight end. And a top-notch defense. And you're going to reunite him with Frank Reich? Folks, everything is set up for Carson Wentz to succeed. And have a huge bounce-back year. And... I'm not gonna hold the last season against him now, if he cannot at least come close to replicating the numbers that he had in two thousand and seventeen with Frank Reich i might I might come back and reevaluate. but like I was stating earlier, us as human beings are. More of a go with what you know type of thing. And I've seen what Carson Wentz can do in this system. I've seen what he can do out of the system when he has somewhat protection. Go ahead. Stop believing in him. I'm not. The Colts are easily, right now, the favorites to win that division especially with the dysfunctional Houston Texans, the rebuilding Jacksonville Jaguars, who I believe are going to be competitive next year because not only are they going to get Trevor Lawrence, but I'm a big believer that Urban Meyer is going to be successful in the NFL and draft a very, very good team. But I also believe, despite how good of a coach I believe Vrabel is and how underrated and underappreciated Ryan Tannehill is, I do believe that the Titans are going to take a step backwards The Colts are easily the team to beat in this division. And as far as what they got him for, they're getting Carson Wentz at a steal. And I know a lot of people are like, well, he's getting paid too much money. Franchise quarterbacks in the NFL are hard to find. Super hard to find. So you're telling me, a third round pick this year and a second, maybe a first depending on uh, how many snaps Wentz plays because let's be honest and I'm not going to uh, not include this in what I'm telling you folks Carson Wentz is injury prone there's no doubt about it and I do believe that the shaky protection on his with the offensive line plays a contributing factor into that but also at the end of the day like I mentioned earlier, Russell Wilson, who's gotten sacked fifty plus times the last few years, who's uh, just just under five foot eleven, versus Carson Wentz, who's what I think six foot six, bigger guy. You should be able to absorb those hits a little bit better. But it is what it is at that point, folks. You know, all I can ask is when Carson Wentz is healthy, that he contribute and in the right system in the right protection he does he does and even if that second round pick does turn into a first round pick you're getting a franchise quarterback for everything goes well hopefully the next 10 years because he has been in the league for a little while I think uh he's been in the league now five years so Maybe if he has amazing protection the rest of his career, especially with how athletes are going these days, maybe 15 years. I wouldn't put it any more than 12, though. So 10 to 12 years, you have a franchise quarterback for a third and probably a first-round pick, sign me up. That's a steal, especially considering that the Rams, they they, they gave up two first round picks along with Jared Goff to get Matthew Stafford and that's no disrespect against Matthew Stafford. I am a big Matthew Stafford fan and I think he's going to thrive in that Sean McVay offense. But the age, the lack of success on his part as well. The only the only difference between him and Carson Wentz is Matthew Stafford does stay healthy, but Carson Wentz he's had he's had the success. Carson Wentz and Matthew Stafford. I'm taking Carson Wentz. And the Colts got him for an absolute steal. I'm all in on this. I'm all in. And I'm best believe I'm going to be taking notes on who thinks I'm crazy on this because <laughs> if I had to bet a car payment on whether or not I think the Colts are making the playoffs, and that Carson Wentz is going to be the primary reason, I'd do it. I'd do it right now. So this is going to be something I readdress as the off season goes on, and best believe we're going to be reevaluating this the first few games into the season, because, folks, I'm... <laughs> I'm all in on this. I I am so excited for the season to start with all these quarterback changes that are happening, and we're not even done yet. Who knows where Deshaun Watson's going to end up, Sam Darnold. Is is Mitch Trubisky going to get signed somewhere and be kind of like a gatekeeper for one of these rookies? I don't know. I am so excited for this offseason to finally start. I'm talking about the new league year where you can start trading players that are on your roster, start signing free agents, it's going to be such an exciting year. And now switching gears, I want to get into some NBA talk. The NBA season is starting to, it, it feels like there's a, starting to become a natural flow of things. You know, basketball is a game of rhythm. These shutdowns because of COVID, teams being on pause for a week or two at a time, games postpone here and there, it really affects your rhythm. And... The product on the court is showing that for those teams, but they're starting to figure it out. This new protocol, although it's inconvenient for us fans having to wait, it appears that it's starting to work. We're getting fewer games postponed. Uh, They're starting to identify who's potentially at risk before the entire team gets exposed. So it seems that this new protocol is starting to work in the way they had hoped, now we're getting teams that were off to good starts that it's they're starting to fade a little bit and then teams that were off to bad starts that we expected were going to be very competitive this season and we're going to be perennial playoff contenders they they're starting to figure it out and play much better so i want to give you my updated power rankings these ones were really really hard because the the bottom tier of playoff teams like the four through eights they're very very close together but right now as I mentioned before those teams that got off to poor starts but are starting to play better they look more so how we expected them to look and I think right here right now if the playoffs were to start today some teams lower seeded would be some higher-seeded teams that got off to hot starts. So here are my updated power rankings. At number 10, I have the Toronto Raptors at 16-5, and five, who are currently fifth in the Eastern Conference. Now, they got off to a really, really poor start. They started off at 2-8 and eight to begin the year, and there were a lot of questions being asked. You know, like, uh, they lost Serge Ibaka, they lost Marcus Gasol, Aaron Baines, who they got to fill in that big man role, he just hasn't been panning out the way they had hoped. But after starting 2-8, they have gone 14-7, and and that's currently the second-best record in the Eastern Conference during that span, just behind the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, Last week, they beat the Bucks twice, handily. Then they beat the Minnesota Timberwolves, and then they beat the the first-in-the-Eastern Conference Philadelphia 76ers, they seem and they look watching them on the court, they seem to have figured it out. They are playing much better basketball, basketball that we expected them to play. And Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet, I I love that combo, and they're getting production across the board. Chris Boucher, I don't understand why he's not getting more buzz around most Improved Player. His story is just, it's a remarkable story. And at the end of the day, I don't think he's going to win Most Improved Player, even though I think he should definitely be in consideration for it. But he he is just, he, he's always been a productive role player, but he is just exceeding expectations this year. And I really like what I'm seeing from the Raptors right now. I think they're going to continue... To stay in this rhythm for a, a good while you know every team's gonna hit that bump in the road hopefully their biggest bump was that two and eight start at the beginning of the season hopefully we'll see a more consistent basketball team in the Toronto Raptors but I like them right now at 10th in my power rankings and at number nine I have the San Antonio Spurs who currently sit 16 and 11 good for sixth in the west the Spurs are another remarkable story. I mean, DeMar DeRozan is having an all-star caliber year. I unfortunately don't think he's going to make it. That The uh, guards in the Western Conference are just so stacked. And it, it's just it's going to be really hard for him to get in as a reserve the way it currently sits. But they, they are such a good, coach, well-coached team. Greg Popovich... I don't I don't think we can argue anymore that he is definitely one of the two or three best coaches in NBA history. Uh he he gets the most out of his players night in, night out. Last year was it was unfortunate that that playoff streak he had came to an end, but that was the first team since his first year coaching where the vast majority of his players were All brand new, unfamiliar with the system. They struggled night in, night out. Towards the end of the year, they started to figure it out. I mean, granted, they were in the playoff race up until the final uh, two or three games of the season. But he has them playing exceptional basketball. They've won, I believe it was five, six of their last seven games. And I don't know. this, This is just one of those teams that I have a really tough time getting an honest vibe from because they're playing consistent basketball but because of the lack of star power essentially the lack of big names on this roster I just have a hard time truly forming an opinion is this team going to compete from this moment on until the end of the season and stay in that playoff race when granted they are They're ahead of some very, very good, I mean, the Denver Nuggets, the Warriors definitely could go on another stretch of wins. It's it's just, I'm having such a hard time getting an honest read and an honest vibe from this team, but right now, currently, they're playing well enough to where I can comfortably put them at ninth in my power rankings. And at number 8 I have the Milwaukee Bucks. Now the Bucks I I can't say anything other than they are definitely underperforming this year. And I don't want to throw them to the Wolves yet because I'm I'm a I'm the type of person that I like to react to things as they are. You know, my my teams will lose games that casual fans or Fans that overreact at things will be like, "Oh, the, the unacceptable! This the, the, there is no excuse for this." When at the end of the day, I see things how they are. The Suns lost to the Nets the other day, and it was a bad loss considering that the Suns were up twenty four points. But here's the thing: why I do not overreact to that and put too much stock into that. How long has it been since the Suns were in the playoffs? been 10 years outside of Chris Paul and Jay Crowder you have a bunch of kids on the team that have never won at the NBA level they're still trying to learn how to win and to close out games and there was a very similar loss to this that was that was a bad loss earlier in the season they lost to the Detroit Pistons when they were up by more. who's on the Pistons don't give me Jeremy Grant, Blake Griffin. Get get out of here with that. At least we lost to a team that has a James Harden. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not going to overreact to that. And the where I'm going with this is at the beginning of the year, we saw what a difference Drew Holiday makes on that team. More so than Giannis, I think Chris Middleton has been super benefic- the super beneficiary of that move. He's playing even better than we've seen him play the last couple of years. In the last couple of years, he's been an all-star. And I think he's going to be an all-star again this year. They've been without Drew Holiday. And they just, they have an inability. My biggest concern on this team for the last few weeks has been they have an inability to close out games in clutch moments. And we saw it with Giannis in that Suns game. You know what I mean? They took, he took a jumper from outside of 20 feet when you had a Chris Middleton wide open, a Dante DiVincenzo wide open, they have to get smarter in clutch moments. But when Drew Holiday comes back from COVID, I do believe that they're going to find that rhythm again. They're going to make a run throughout the rest of the regular season. And we're going to see a top three, four-seeded Bucks team that hopefully this is the year that I'm not picking them right now to win the East. I still think that the Sixers and the Nets are too much for that one particular team, but I hope we see the on court production from Giannis that we have not seen these last couple years in the playoffs. So right now I like the Bucks at number eight, sitting 18 and 13, third in the Eastern Conference. Number seven, I have the Portland Trailblazers at 18-11. and Good for fifth in the Western Conference. I just want to start off by saying Damian Lillard got screwed out of an all-star starter spot. What that man has done without his two best teammates in CJ McCollum, in Yusuf Nurkic. How can you tell me This man does not deserve an all-star starter spot over Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic, phenomenal individual numbers, phenomenal young player, super popular. I get it, the fan vote and everything like that. But ultimately, they ended up being tied, and the tiebreaker was the fan vote. Stephen A. Smith of ESPN said something very... It, it, It... I understood what what point he was trying to make with this. He said, here in America, during the election process, we don't go with the popular vote. There's a series of methods to which we can form a winner on a tiebreaker. So, you're telling me, A man who's on a team that currently would not make the playoffs with his whole plethora of teammates right now deserves an all-star starter spot over a man who's carrying his team to fifth in the Western Conference without his two best teammates and, in my opinion, is the third best case for NBA MVP right now. I just don't understand that. But... That being said, what he's done for his team, Damian Lillard has been disrespected in this league for far too long. We all love some Damian Lillard, right? I don't think there's a better clutch basketball player in the NBA as a whole. There could be an argument made that Chris Paul is one of the best fourth-quarter clutch players, but at the end of the day, and don't get me wrong, I love me some Chris Paul. I'm a Suns fan, but if between the two... Five seconds left, down by two. I had to trust one player to make that game-winning three. Lillard, 10 out of 10 times. Give me Lillard. The Portland Trailblazers right now, and CJ McCollum before he went down was playing some great basketball. the best basketball we've seen out of him in a few years. It's going to be a really, really exciting team in the second half of the season. And right now, currently... The Blazers are good for 7th in my power rankings. At number 6, I have the Philadelphia 76ers at 20 and 11, good for 1st in the Eastern Conference. Now, normally, I would not have a team that's 1st in their conference outside of my top 5 for any circumstance whatsoever. But, as I said when I started this list, I had a really, really hard time with this list. And if I'm going by the eye test and what late game situations say from what I've seen over the past week. And granted, I'm not talking down about the Sixers whatsoever because they've played some really, really good basketball of late. They've only lost two of their last, I believe, seven or eight games. And those were good teams in the Raptors and the Suns. But these teams that I have ahead of them are just what I'm seeing on the court at from the team as a whole. There's just something that tells me that if a, they went into a seven-game series against these teams, they would definitely struggle, and I'm not confident that they'd be able to beat these teams. Joel Embiid is my number one MVP candidate right now. He's playing outstanding basketball. The the man just continues to get better and better each year, and he's said for the last several seasons, "I want to be league MVP." Well, he's playing like it, and in my opinion, that MVP trophy is in his hands right now. The only question I have: Are you going to let someone come up there and take it from you? Don't do that. And I've been very bullish on the Joel Embiid Ben Simmons combination for the last couple of years. I just I've never thought that it was a good uh, good matchup but they are playing very well together right now. Ben Simmons is playing the aggressive style of play that he needs to play to be successful in this league. He's playing very, very good defense. He's getting aggressive in the paint to score. He. This is who Ben Simmons needs to be for the Sixers to be successful, and the reason why I'm bullish on it still is because why would it take so long? Why has it taken so long for you to be this player when you know this is who you need to be to be successful? And he does know. Trust me. He does know because we've seen Ben Simmons play like this before, but he stopped. How do I know this time's any different? Show me different, Ben Simmons. Show me different. I like the Sixers at sixth in my power rankings. And at number five, I have the Phoenix Suns at 19-10, and 10, good for fourth in the Western Conference. The Chris Paul effect is so crazy. I knew going into this year that we were going to see a competitive team night in, night out. If he could do that with the Oklahoma City Thunder, he better be able to do even better things with the Phoenix Suns given that the talent difference is, is great. Devin Booker, Shea Gildress Alexander, get out of here. Don't even tell me you have a hard time making that decision. Devin Booker, 10 out of 10 times, is a better basketball player. But at first, the first half of the season, we started to see the struggle in the slower pace for Devin Booker. Devin Booker is used to an up-tempo, go, go, go type of play. And Chris Paul's more of a, I'm going to slow the game down. I'm going to use the entire shot clock. I'm going to scope the court. Find the best open guy. And Devin Booker struggled with that. His numbers were down. But it seems now that he's comfortable in this offense. His scoring is up. He was just named Western Conference Player of the Week last week. Scoring over 30 a game. Devin Booker and Chris Paul should both be All-Stars this year. I highly doubt, unfortunately, they're both going to get in. It, it, it's going to be very, very difficult to make a decision on that. If I had to guess which one was going to get in right now, I'd say Devin Booker simply because of where they finished in the voting. Ultimately, at the end of the day, it's going to be up to the coaches to pick the the uh, reserves. And Chris Paul is one of the most, if not the most, respected player in the NBA, so that definitely might help his cause. But if I had to pick right now who I think is going to get in between the two, I would say Devin Booker and This is a good basketball team. This is a very good basketball team. They play great two-way basketball, good offense, good defense. I just... The crazy thing to me as a fan... So, Grant again, I'm a fan of the Phoenix Suns. I watch this team more than any other team in the NBA. This team can be a lot better than what we're seeing right now. And that's the crazy cool thing for me as a fan is if they're this good and they're still figuring out what are they going to look like the second half of the season could they potentially be a top 3 seed it's very possible right now especially with the lakers struggling the the clippers that they're they're great but there are some nights where they're very inconsistent this team could potentially be a top 3 team in the western conference i'm not picking them to be that yet. I still think 4 or 5 is what they're looking at, but don't be surprised, folks, if this team ends up being a top 3 seed team in the Western Conference. I like the Suns at 5. Number 4, I have the Los Angeles Clippers at 22-10, good for 3rd in the Western Conference. The, the Clippers, they are playing very, very well under Ty Lue. Tylo, it seems that he really did learn from that uh, coaching staff last season. He it, it th- there's not even a comparison, in my opinion, his coaching now compared to when he was in Cleveland when LeBron left. Granted, remember he got fired that first season after Le- LeBron, and he didn't even make it halfway through the season, but. You could just see... It it was a justified fire, in my opinion. He, The guy was in way over his head. And LeBron has that effect on coaches to where he can make them look like geniuses because he's such a brilliant basketball mind and a brilliant basketball player. He can fill in some of those gaps for coaches. I think Frank Vogel is the best coach LeBron has had since uh, he was in Miami. He... Frank Vogel did some exceptional coaching in the bubble all throughout the season. Uh, I don't think, again, I don't think he would look as good if LeBron wasn't on the team, but you, you can you can just tell that Frank Vogel, he, he, he's a good basketball coach. Frank Vogel is the best basketball coach LeBron has had in quite some time. Uh, but they're, the Clippers are playing great basketball. When... Both Kawhi and Paul George are on the court. They are just, they outmatch just about every single team. They did lose to the Nets in uh, a close late game situation. James Harden uh, drew the charge, and it definitely was a flop, but that's just, that's how they, they have to be careful. They're, they are a very aggressive team. And sometimes it's good, sometimes it ends up biting you. You know what I mean? But I think that this team is better than last year. They lost some key pieces that I think were worrisome. You know, the Montrez Harrell signing, signing to into the uh, Lakers was a big loss for them. Uh, and what's even bigger is I think the Lakers... Scheme is a much better fit for Montrez Harrell than the Clippers was. Uh, but Serge Ibaka, it, he is playing very, very well for the Clippers. I also like the Luke Kennard signing, even though I do think they paid him a little too much money. He, he's a very good, important piece for that team. And I also like the Nicholas Batum signing. He's He started... A little hot and he's kind of cooled off but I do think as the season progresses he's going to be a vital part to that team in uh late season success and deep, a deep playoff run which they need to make this year if, if they don't make a deep playoff run this year then I, I don't think Kawhi Leonard's going to end up staying it's just that who he is he wants to be on a winner he wants to be on contenders for the rest of his career, and props to him. You know, a lot of us see that and we're just like, oh yeah, bandwagon. All, you know what I mean? Like, no, no, the guy, the guy wants to win, and it's not like he's joining these super teams or anything like that. He's pulling more of the LeBron to Miami type of thing. You know what I mean? For years, we all looked down on LeBron. I think a lot of us still do for how he did it. But at the end of the day, LeBron didn't join a super team like Kevin Durant. LeBron made something. In Miami. Kawhi made something at the Clippers. The, the Clippers are a dangerous team. And right now I like them at number four. Number three, I have the Los Angeles Lakers at 22-9. and nine, Good for second in the West. There's no beating around the bush. The Lakers are struggling without Anthony Davis. Uh, LeBron... He's struggling in clutch moments as far as shooting goes, uh, which is why, in my opinion, uh, the other night against Miami, he passed up the game-winning shot to Alex Caruso, who ultimately missed the shot. Uh, And it just baffles me because historically throughout his career, LeBron has been a very, very, very good clutch performer, and I just don't understand why he doesn't want to take these shots. You know what I mean? Uh, they're also going to be without Dennis Schroeder for a little while. He's out with in uh, COVID protocol, hopefully not too long, though. I've, from what I'm hearing, he's tested negative and shouldn't be out the full two weeks, probably just one week. But without Anthony Davis, folks, you can love LeBron all you want. I do. I love LeBron, but... He is not going to win a title, nor is he going to make it out of the Western Conference without Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is vital to that team. I'm not saying he's better than LeBron. I'm not saying he's more important than LeBron. But he is vital to that team's success. And without him fully healthy, the Lakers will not win the Western Conference, and they will not win a championship. But we do believe and we are under the impression that Anthony Davis is going to return, which is why I have them at number three. If Anthony Davis was out for the rest of the year, folks, they'd probably be at number five or number six because they're just not going to do anything in the playoffs. They, they'll I've, It's LeBron. They'll win the first round. Second round, though, is where I'm going to start being like, it's going to be tough. But with Anthony Davis fully healthy, This team is still the favorites to win it all, and I like the Lakers at number three. At number two, I have the Brooklyn Nets at 20 and 12. My last power rankings I did, I said this has no chance of working, that they don't play any defense, and the thing I pride myself in, folks, is admitting when I'm wrong when it's justified, I'm not going to come in here and say, oh my God, this team is playing phenomenal defense or anything like that. Because they're not. They're not playing phenomenal defense until it hits late game situations. And what I mean by that is this. That game against the Suns, they played phenomenal defense in the paint to prevent Phoenix from getting the go-ahead bucket. James Harden was exceptional defending and seeing that and seeing what they've done since. They've won six straight games. Are they able to harness that and put it throughout the course of a game? I don't believe they're going to be able to do it consistently because let's face it Kyrie Irving is he's a, he's a show he likes the offensive end of the game and he just wants to hurry up and get the ball back in his hands again but seeing that they had the ability to do that and let's not forget Durant's coming back Durant can play Very good defense. He can. Why he doesn't choose to do it consistently is beyond me. Second best basketball player in the world, in my opinion. And you choose not to play consistent defense. It baffles me. But the fact that they've won six straight games, they've shown the ability to play clutch defense in close moments... I like them at number two, and folks, I do not think it's far-fetched to believe right now that this team could win the East. They definitely could. I'm not picking them yet because I want to see what this team does look like with all three playing consistently night in, night out. Unfortunately, we're probably not going to see that until the playoffs, but right now, as it sits right now, I like what they bring to the table at number 2 and at number 1 I have the Utah Jazz at 24 and 6 first in the Western Conference now they went on that unbelievable run of games and they they're definitely as it sits right now the best team in the Western Conference I mean they, they could they could have three all-stars I don't think they're going to. I unfortunately think Mike Conley is once again going to fall short of the All-Star game, although he definitely does deserve it. He's played exceptional basketball this year, but Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell are both going to be All-Stars this year. Jordan Clarkson has got to be the runaway favorite for sixth man of the year. Uh, Bogdanovich is playing exceptional this is a very good team, and I really think that loss they just had against the Clippers is going to be very beneficial for them because they have played a league-low 20 clutch minutes all season long. They've been blowing teams out. What what are you learning when you're 15, 20 points ahead late in a basketball game? You don't learn that way. You learn... From the grind, you learn from oh we we need to make smart basketball decisions in this moment because if we don't if we don't score here or if we don't get a stop here, that's it. You need to go through those, and in my opinion, you need to lose basketball games that way because that's how you learn that is how you learn and i I really, really liked the jazz this year. I did not think they were going to be this good. I definitely liked them as a possible top four or top five team. I did not think they had the potential to be the best team in the Western Conference this year, especially with the loaded talent we have in the Lakers, the Clippers, the uh Nuggets. This is a very very good basketball team, and I don't think, I don't think they're going to be stopping what they're doing anytime soon. I don't think we're going to see quite the same run, but they could be a team that wins seven or eight of their next ten. The Jazz are dangerous. The Jazz are definitely a title contender, and I like Utah at number one. And now to end the show, I want to dive in a little bit further. As I was saying before, there's a lot of surprise teams this year in the NBA, some for good reasons, some for bad reasons. We're starting to see the Raptors, as I mentioned before, get back in the swing of things. Things are finally starting to click for them. But I want to get into perhaps the biggest disappointment so far in the NBA season the Miami Heat defending Eastern Conference champions right now they are really struggling they currently sit 14 and 17 and they picked up a good win against the lakers the other day which it was much closer than what it should have been they they allowed the lakers and lebron james to make it a basketball game it should have been a double-digit win for Miami. They're struggling right now, especially defensively. Jimmy Butler, when he's been healthy, has been... He's been Jimmy Butler. He's been clutch and great on both both ends of the court. But I think the Miami Heat basketball team are a perfect example of a point I tried to make to my friends during the bubble. And that is that there are many teams that benefited greatly from the bubble. There were a few teams that suffered from the bubble, such as the Clippers. Uh, They got hot at the right time, and the Lakers are another team that benefited from the bubble. LeBron James, at his age, having those four months off before the bubble, and then in the bubble, not having to travel... there there were teams that benefited from the bubble as well as teams that struggled from the bubble. The Miami Heat, though, they benefited greatly from the bubble. And right now, so you see, there's a reason why before James Harden was traded, the Miami Heat were so heavily linked to James Harden, and that's because I believe they know what they have in Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. Duncan Robinson is basically... I don't want to call him a one-trick pony, but he does one thing very, very well, which is he shoots the three very well. But outside of that, he's a big liability. And Tyler Hero, I'm very high on Tyler Hero and his potential, but you have to take it for what it is right now. And... Tyler Hero is a very inconsistent basketball player right now. There are nights where he'll get you 30, maybe even a couple nights in a row where he'll get you 30. And then there's other nights where he'll he'll score single digits, have a bunch of turnovers, he, he, and defensively he can be a big liability at times. Bam Adebayo, another all-star caliber year, but he too is having some inconsistencies. He's having more great performances than poor performances, so I'm not trying to take anything away or say he's a reason why they're struggling, but the only 100% consistent basketball player they have on their team right now is Jimmy Butler. And Eric Spolstra, phenomenal coach. I love Eric Spolstra as a basketball coach. I think he's a big reason why Miami was so hot in the bubble last year, but I, I think despite the Eastern Conference championship, they're still struggling to find an identity as a basketball team. Because if you look at them as a team, as a team, they shoot very well. But as a team, they're not great defensively. They're not typically phenomenal passers. You know, Bam, Bam's a good passer for a big man. Goran Dragic, when, when he's healthy can be a very good ball distributor. Jimmy Butler, he, he can get his, you know, he went on that triple-double streak. But look at how often they turn the ball over. Look at the streaky shooting at times. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, they'll get 15, 23s in a game from time to time, but then there will be games where even if they get 15 to 23s, they're missing 15 to 20, maybe even close to 33s. They are a very inconsistent team right now that I think is struggling to find their identity and honestly folks they need to find that identity fast we're almost halfway through a 72 game season and we still don't know who is this basketball team and it's sad because they they could potentially have two all-stars on their team right now and it could all be for nothing It could all be for nothing, so this team needs to pick it up fast and find that identity, which leads me to another team that is struggling to find its identity in the Dallas Mavericks. The Dallas Mavericks have Luka Doncic, who is one of the 10 best players in the league right now. I know a lot of people are like, what are you talking about? He's a top five. He's an MVP candidate, all this stuff. No, he's he's not, folks. He's not right now. He's a phenomenal young basketball player and he's going to be one of the faces of this league in the coming years. But right now, st- stop saying he's a top-five player. He's not better than LeBron. He's not better than Durant. He's not better than Embiid. He's not better than Lillard. He's not better than Kawhi. Just just stop. He's going to be, but he's not yet. And the It's showing on the basketball court. Another team struggling to find its identity. Last season, that Dallas Mavericks team was the best offensive team we had ever seen. Best offensive team in NBA history. But now they're going to be the second best because the Brooklyn Nets are going to crush that offensive rating that the Mavericks had last season. And they're a team, too, that is struggling mightily on the defensive end. Kristaps Porzingis, he has looked like his old self at times but then there are other times where you watch him play and he's playing very timid as if he's trying to he's he's afraid to get explosive off of that leg and you know being that size he he's never been the type of explosive player to begin with but for a man that size he shows a lot of athleticism and he Kristaps has always been able to shoot, and even that has been kind of inconsistent at times. He's had games where he's looked brilliant, and he's had games where it's just like, what were you thinking taking that shot? Tim Hardaway Jr., we all know he can shoot the three lights out, but we should all also acknowledge that he has shown a tendency to be very streaky at times as well, and can go ice cold. That They need to find that identity as well. Last season it was offense, and this season the, they are struggling on the offensive end of the basketball. Luca's going to get his. We, there's no doubt about that. Luca's going to be probably a 28, 29 point per game guy, 8 assists, 8 rebounds, maybe even more. I know he uh, was flirting around averaging a triple-double for the first quarter of the season. Not quite there yet, and honestly, unless they pick it up, I don't think that's going to even be in the conversation the second half of the season, but he's going to get his scoring, and he's going to be flirting with triple-doubles on a nightly basis, but the man needs some help. Jalen Brunson has been a pleasant surprise. I've always been high on Jalen Brunson. I understand why he slipped to the second round of the draft out of uh, Villanova, but he has been a pleasant surprise. I honestly think you can make a legitimate conversation that he's been the second best player on this team, even ahead of Christophs Porzingis. And I know that's a lot. A lot of people are going to be like, "Oh no, what are you talking?" Look at look at the consistency, and look at the look at how how much more he contributes to a game. Than Kristoff Porzingis and I'm not talking about scoring or rebounding or anything like that. I'm talking about availability. Jalen Brunson stays healthy, and he's consistent with what he puts up. His averages are basically you can count on that on a nightly basis. He's very rarely going to get you less than what he averages. He has been, in my opinion, the second best player on that team this year, and I think he's going to be very vital to the Mavericks' success going forward. But we can't worry about future success. This is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately type of league, And don't forget also, due to the Kristaps-Prazingas trade, the New York Knicks have the Mavericks' first-round pick unprotected this year, which means that if the Mavericks don't make the playoffs, the Knicks are getting on another lottery pick. So... And they're going to have to pay Luca pretty soon. Uh, They were tied to uh, Giannis for a little bit before he signed that extension with Milwaukee. So they're not going to have the money they have right now for much longer. So they need to figure it out. They're not going to be getting any big pieces in the draft next year. They need to figure it out quick because time is running out to capitalize on Luka's rookie deal. Time is running out. Another team that is sort of starting to pick it up right now, but is still a disappointment, is the Denver Nuggets. Nikola Jokic is in the MVP conversation. I think he's outside of the top three, but I would probably put him at number four just because of his team's record. But... The man is, he, he's incredible. I, I don't think I have ever seen a big man pass like him. I, in fact, I'm pretty pretty confident in saying we never have. LeBron James may be one of the greatest passers in NBA history, but Nikola Jokic is bigger, less athletic, and I, I think he sees the court better than LeBron James. I'm not saying he's a better passer. I think LeBron makes better passes, but I think Jokic sees the court better than LeBron James as far as passing goes. And they need to capitalize on these big performances by Jokic. Jokic had uh, a game a couple weeks ago where he had scored 40-something points, and then the next day followed it up with 50. The Nuggets lost both those games, and it's just like you you cannot waste these... In- Amazing performances by by uh, Nikola Jokic because there is going to be there are going to be days where he does not do that and you're going to have to count on a Jamal Murray who has been very disappointing thus far. He picked he's been picking it up a little bit lately. He just dropped that fifty burger while shooting no free throws, which is an amazing accomplishment. I don't think that's ever been done in NBA history. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. He he's he's been vital a vital part of the rotation, but I think a lot of us, especially with his breakout in the bubble, we expected a little bit more. So he's been a little disappointing as well. Um, th- this team is just not the team that we we've been seeing the last couple seasons, and it really it it bothers me because outside of Jeremy Grant who is a good basketball player. I'm not trying to take anything away from that. He's a good basketball player, and he is a candidate right now for most improved player due to his uh, great play in Detroit. But be honest. Who, who does Detroit have? And don't give me Blake Griffin or anything like that. Like They're a bad basketball team. Someone's got to take those shots. And it's him. And being quite honest with yourselves, you have to to admit that loss should not take away this much production from a great last couple years playoff team. So, I'm personally very disappointed in the Denver Nuggets this year. They should be a lot better than what they're showing us right now, and I still... I'm still a believer in the Denver Nuggets. I do think they're going to pull it together, but it needs to be sooner rather than later because the Western Conference is just so stacked right now. I just it doesn't look like any of those teams ahead of them in the top 4 are going to be dropping game too many games on a regular basis anytime soon. The two teams ahead of them right now are the Spurs and the Trailblazers. Like I said earlier, folks, I'm very, very hesitant on buying into the Spurs right now. But they're, they're a Greg Popovich coach team, and anything I know about Greg Popovich shows that he gets consistent effort from his players time in, time out. So... I'm hesitant to buy in, but I also know too much about Greg Popovich to be willing to bet against him. And then the Trailblazers, uh, Dame Lillard is incredible, but you have to ask yourself, even for Damian Lillard, how long can he keep carrying the load without his two best teammates? One man can only do so much, folks, even... Even LeBron, I mean, we've, we've seen it right now. Granted, I know he's 37 years old, but we've never complained about about him being 37 years old before. So why are we going to start now? LeBron can't even carry his team right now to wins over inferior opponents. And again, I'm not talking down about LeBron James. I love LeBron James. I still think to this day, as I sit here right now, LeBron James is still at 37 years old, the best basketball player in the NBA. I just made that statement so I could show my point. One man can only do so much. You have to think it's only going to be a matter of time before McCollum and Nurkic come back that Lillard can keep doing what he's doing. And now for some of the surprises in the league. I try not to be like this, folks, because I try to give a good product to a wide variety of people in a wide variety of sports markets. But I have to be a homer here for a little bit because this is a huge surprise. The Phoenix Suns, they are playing incredible basketball right now. They're the fourth seed in the West right now. And to anyone who questioned the Chris Paul move, I bet you're feeling a little silly right now. This team has not made the playoffs in the last 10 years. And they've been victims of terrible coaching, terrible ownership, terrible general management, And finally, they hit gold in drafting Devin Booker. But the first four years, five years in the league, Devin's talents have been wasted on terrible teams with terrible coaching. I mean, you think about this. Devin Booker has not been getting superstar love for all these years because of the market he plays in. He played for a losing team. But... Look at the adversity, and like for those of you who have listened to my previous shows, you know I'm a big believer in you becoming great, overcoming adversity. The adversity Devin Booker's had to face. All the coaches he's had in the league. He's gone from Jeff Hornacek to Earl Watson to Jay Triano to Igor Kokoshkov. And then finally, finally, Robert Sarver, owner of the Suns, makes the first competent hire of his career in Monty Williams. Monty Williams is by far and away the best coach the Suns have had since probably Paul Westfall in the early 90s. And a lot of people are going to be like, well, what about Mike D'Antoni, all this... No, I loved Mike D'Antoni. Mike D'Antoni brought the Suns their most exciting basketball product they've ever seen. But anyone who's watched Mike D'Antoni teams, those Houston teams in particular, because of how more recent it is, it's fresher in the mind. How much defense did those teams play? Because I'll tell you right now, the Suns, when he was coached, played zero defense. For the last... Two seasons that Monty Williams has been head coach. They are, this season, one of the five to seven best defenses in the league. And then last year, they were in the top half of defenses. So, improvement from last year to this year. And last year was even improvement from the year before. Clear improvement. They were, I, th- I want to say, they were the worst defensive team in the league uh, the year they had Igor Kokoskov. But he... His his way of teaching, his way of coaching, his, he believes in his players and he will hold his players accountable. But at the end of the day, his players also know it's not personal. I'm trying to teach you something. Look at what he's doing for DeAndre Ayton. And a lot of people still to this day are oh, you should have drafted Luka, or oh, you could have had Trae Young. Stop it. Stop it right now. DeAndre Ayton is not going to be as good as Luka Doncic or Trae Young. But DeAndre Ayton was the right pick for the Suns. And to those of you who don't follow the Suns closely, don't even begin to try to argue with me because you have no idea what the hell you're talking about. DeAndre Ayton was the right pick for the Suns, and I'll tell you why. The Suns didn't have a competent point guard for years. At one point, they had too many point guards on their team. They had Isaiah Thomas, Eric Bledsoe, and Goran Dragic on the same team, and it just didn't work out, so they ended up trading all three of them. They didn't have a competent point guard, so they ended up moving Devin Booker to the point guard position. And although he wasn't great, he was pretty good. They, tr- they tried it off and on for a couple years, and Devin Booker showed big strides of improvement to a point where, in that draft, they needed a big man. And honest to God's truth, even all biases aside as a Suns fan, I was very, very active in reading what the scouts had to say. And I probably looked at a hundred or so different scouting reports. And I can only remember, as I sit here right now, I can only remember two scouts out of those hundred or so that said they should have drafted Luka Doncic. They all unanimously agreed DeAndre Ayton is the best pick in this draft. So the thinking was, you draft Ayton, who we believe at this moment is the best player available, and you keep Booker at the point. Aiton was the right pick. He's finally coming into his own, and the fact is, we don't need him to be Luka Doncic. We have Booker. Booker is our scorer. And, again, I'm not trying to say Booker's better than Doncic because I don't think he is right now. But you put both those two on the same team, that, that, takes, away, that takes away some touches, you know what I mean? And at, at the same time, you draft Luka, you draft Trey Young. Who's, who's going to be your center? At the time, we had Tyson Chandler who, for years... I'm, and I'm, I'm talking about years was not anywhere near the same caliber of player he was in Dallas or in New York when he won those Defensive Player of the Year awards. At the same time, you have to ask yourself this for the, the older crowd listening and for your younger generation. Michael Jordan was the third overall pick in that draft as was Luka Doncic. You know who number one in that draft class was? One of the greatest bigs of all time, Hakeem Olajuwon. I don't think anyone will even begin to try to argue that Hakeem Olajuwon is better than Michael Jordan because you are out of your mind. He is not better than Michael Jordan, but he was so good in what he did well I don't know if there's a single person that's a Houston Rockets fan that's like, oh, we should have drafted Michael Jordan instead. No, I've never heard one. I'm not saying DeAndre Ayton has to be Hakeem Olajuwon, but if he can do what he's good at to an elite level, no one's going to say, oh, we should have drafted Luka Doncic. Right now they're saying it because... Big men in this day and age are a little slower to develop than they used to be. And granted, Hakeem developed somewhat slow himself. A lot of people don't talk about it anymore because of how dominant he ended up becoming. But Hakeem couldn't shoot a lick when he first came into the NBA. Not a bit. He could barely dunk for a big man. I mean, when he dunked, it looked nasty, but he had to try when he first got into the the league. DeAndre Ayton is going to be just fine. I, as a Suns fan, am so happy with what I'm seeing. Because at the same time, also, folks, he's playing great defensive basketball. And he is one of the three or four best rebounding centers in the league and if if you don't believe me look up the numbers he is a very efficient offensive and defensive rebounder he's a lead at it offensively he still needs work i will be the first to admit that he needs work and that's what's so frustrating about development i see him put up 18 points 13 14 rebounds two blocks maybe a steal and you, you look at the box score and you're just like, oh, that's a decent game. You know what I mean? Not great, but that's a decent game. When you actually watch him playing, put up those numbers, you get mad because you see his inconsistency when it comes to his aggression in the post. He chooses to take a uh, jumper instead of dunking on people. You see what he can do and doesn't do. And he still puts up these good numbers. I want to see more because I know he's capable of more. And I do think it's going to happen. Monty Williams is the right man for the job. He's responsible for helping develop two of the best bigs in the modern game. LaMarcus Aldridge, when he was in Portland and even in the beginning of uh, his stay in San Antonio... LaMarcus Aldridge was an elite big man, and Anthony Davis, he helped Anthony Davis add some muscle mass, get more aggressive in in, in the paint, Monty Williams is the right man to help develop DeAndre Ayton, and the Chris Paul effect on DeAndre Ayton is, it's been very fun to watch. He still needs to get more comfortable in the pick and roll. You still see some silly little mistakes, but the thing I love about Chris Paul and the thing DeAndre Ayton needs cuz Monty Williams is not the get in your face and yell at you type of thing. He's kind of okay, sit down next to me. We're going to have a little talk. Chris Paul's <laughs> he's going to stand on a chair so we can get eye level with DeAndre Ayton and start yelling at him. And that's what he needs. You need to have a good cop, bad cop when it comes to DeAndre Ayton and Chris Paul is the right man for the job and Devin Booker has finally, he's silencing the critics that always said Devin Booker cannot be the best player on a winning basketball team. I know there's a legitimate argument that Chris Paul's the best player right now. I'm not going to argue that because I think Chris Paul's been the most important player. But Devin Booker, this is Devin Booker's basketball team. Again, if you're going to try to argue with me on that, you have no idea what you're talking about because either you don't live in the city or you don't follow the Suns. This is Devin Booker's basketball team, and Chris Paul knows that. Chris Paul's not trying to take that from him. Chris Paul just wants to contribute to a winning basketball team and try to make one last title run before he retires. And... I could not be more grateful that my team is finally, they're in the position that they are right now. And it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun, that's for sure. All right, everyone, I want to thank you so much for uh, joining me on this episode of Let's Talk Sports with Tommy P. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook. And next week, we are going to be joined by my friend Justice as we're going to dive in to some NFL draft talk. Thank you so much, everyone. See you next time.